Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Today is the Q&A that followed the message on James 5, 15, and 16, and there were five questions. Number one, should we ever rebuke Satan or address Satan directly? Number two, how do we avoid pride when God is especially responsive to answering our prayers? Number three, how do we avoid the opposite error of assuming God is punishing us if he doesn't answer our prayers? Number four, why does the Holman translation of James 5.16 say the urgent prayer of the righteous man? Where are they getting that word urgent? And number five, what if a righteous person is praying for you, but you're unrighteous? Which way will it go? So the question is, what about addressing Satan in your prayers? Satan, I rebuke you, I bind you in the name of God, I, do, I tell you this, I tell you that, and Satan, get out of here. I don't do that either. I'm, I'm a little reluctant to do that for a couple of reasons. One, I don't want to talk to Satan. <laughs> I'm not interested in talking to him, I want to talk to God. Secondly, scripture says that not even Michael the archangel was rash in trying to rebuke Satan. Instead, he spoke to God and said, when he's dealing with Satan, I mean, Michael is actually dealing with Satan and says, the Lord rebuke you, and didn't call on his own authority because Satan is a formidable foe. And he's very powerful. It's false teachers, Scripture says, that will just rashly rail against things they don't even understand. So for me, I just, if someone is demonized, or I think Satan is doing, he's doing some big thing, or what, and I want to pray about that, I'll talk to God about it. He's the solution. If, if, I, if I think a demon needs to be cast out of a person, I'm not going to talk to that demon. I'm going to talk to God. demon's not going to listen to me. I don't have authority over the demon. You know, the, the, the scriptures never command us to speak to demons or bind them or rebuke them or do any of that. The, the apostles were given that authority along with the other miraculous powers they were given. But the church in general is never told to do that. We're told to put on the spiritual armor and pray to God. Okay, so the comment is that there's, you, can, you can fall off the road on two sides. On the one side, you can become arrogant and think that you just have special powers and uh, God is doing things just because, um, because you're so important and you're so good at praying or whatever. So there's that prideful part. And then on the other side, there's the when your prayers don't get answered to respond by thinking that God is against you and God is punishing you or something like that. Here's what I would say. On the first thing about the pride, it should never produce pride when I have to be a beggar, right? You know, somebody who's sitting outside begging, he just has a uh, just has a hat sitting there and he's just begging, you know, help me please, and then somebody puts a bunch of money in there. Uh, he shouldn't be bragging about how good of a beggar he is. He, look at all this money he got. I mean, being a beggar is a lowly, lowly thing. And I think we, it's good for us to remember that when we're praying, we're begging. Okay, we're beggars. We're destitute. We have nothing. We have no resources. That's why we have to ask for everything from God. We don't supply any of it. We don't pitch in our share, right? Everything, even our hard work comes from God. So keeping that in mind can help with pride. When your prayers are answered, it shouldn't make you think about yourself. It should make you think about God. Wow, how powerful, how generous, how kind. Even with my inadequate praying, still, he's this kind. 
That should be our response. And when God doesn't answer your prayer, again, you shouldn't think about self, you should think about God. Now, it is good to examine your heart, as we saw last week, to see if maybe there is a sin in there that's hindering the prayer. But if you don't find anything, if you if you find sin, you confess it. If, if everything's confessed, everything's repented of, then you shouldn't assume that God is upset with you if he's not answering your prayers. This is where trust comes in. Whatever was said about the prayer of faith, trust never goes away. And I trust his decision-making. I trust his decision-making. If I say, God, please give me this, please, please, please give me this, and he doesn't give it, thank you, God, that you didn't give it, because I trust your decision-making. That's why in Philippians 4 it says we pray with thanksgiving. If you have anxiety in your heart, probably what's happening is you're not praying with thanksgiving. That is, you give thanks while you're praying. You don't wait until and see if he answers it and then give him thanks. You give him thanks as soon as you ask, because what you're saying is, God, I thank you for whatever you're going to do. However you're going to answer this prayer, I know it's going to be good, I know it's going to be wise, I know it's going to be better than whatever I have in mind if it's different. And so thank you that I can trust you to do what's best, no matter what I pray for. Thank you. And you have gratitude in your heart as you're making the request. That's what will give you the peace that passes understanding in Philippians 4. Okay, so in the Holman translation, it says the urgent request of the right. Now, the word request is a literal translation for that particular word for prayer. It's a request. Where do they get the word urgent? Where they get it is from that word effective. And I told you that that's a difficult word to translate. I mean, I spent weeks studying the Greek on it. It's a very difficult. It's a participle that could be used as an adverb or an adjective. And if, there, if it's an adjective, there's a few different possibilities. An adverb, there's a few different possibilities. It's just one of those really complex things. And the Holman takes it as an adverb describing the way that you pray rather than an adjective describing the prayer. So anyway, all that to say, I ended up in a little different spot than they did. That is a possible translation, so that that word effective means effectiveness in the way that you pray. Oh, okay, so he said the urgent, they still have the effect at the end of the sentence, but they have urgent at the beginning. Yeah, that's, there's no other word there in the Greek, it's just, it's just the word for request. It could be that that word for request, they're throwing in the word urgent, because that's the way they're translating that particular Greek word for a request. Yeah, it's, just, it's a tricky one to translate, but the, but the main thrust is that prayer is powerful, and that and it, it works. It does something. And I do think that it's, it's valid to say that that word for request would point, especially in this context, would point to some earnestness. And even if it doesn't, the verses about Elijah do. Because Elijah prayed earnestly. And that word is there. So, so yeah, in the context, that earnestness, urgency is definitely there. Okay, good question. If a righteous man is praying for you, but you're doing something that might hinder the prayer, which one wins? I think it can go in both directions. Like there, there's times when some people who are praying are fulfilling those four criteria from last week, but somebody else has got sin in their life, or they don't have faith, or you know, some, somehow they're messing it up, and that that can hinder the prayers of the others. So sometimes we as a church we're praying for something, right? God, please provide this or do this. And, and it's not happening because maybe there's someone in the church who's living in sin, unrepentant sin or they, they don't have faith or something like that. And that, that can happen. And it can also happen the other way, I believe. And I think very often it does, where I will 
neglect prayer all week, you know, and I won't be, I'll be consumed with some other stuff, and I don't even pray for the church, I don't even pray for Sunday, hardly at all, and I get to the, I get to Saturday night, I'm like, wow, this whole week, I just hasn't even really poured up my heart asking God to bless the service, and then I come, and man, everybody's here, and the worship, the praise time is all filled with joy, and God blesses the prayer groups, and all this wonderful stuff happens, and I, I walk away thinking, wow, somebody was praying hard enough to override my prayerlessness. Praise God for that. So you guys pick up the slack when I'm blowing it. And, and so I think it can go either way. I really do. I think we see examples in Scripture to where sometimes a righteous person can, can carry sinners. Like when with Sodom and Mormon, if there's ten righteous, will you spare the whole city? Yes, I will. So, so God will do that sometimes. And then sometimes it goes the other way. Like with Achan, one guy sinning, the whole, the whole community gets uh, consequences. So, so I think it can go either way. It depends on what God is deciding to do at that moment. But I think that that's why you want to get people praying for you. Because right? maybe if there's something lacking in you, it won't be lacking in them, and then, and then it will happen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.